Sebastian Vettel announces his retirement from Formula One ahead of the Hungarian Grand Prix. And man, am I not excited to hear that news. It's lights out and away we go with episode 72 of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Eaton Asphalt Podcast. We got your two favorite hippos here on this lovely episode. Why are we hippos? Well, because we're in hungry people. As always, I'm your host, Marco. I'm Ian. And yes, yeah, some somber news. I, I mean, we. I was looking forward to a great, uh, great race before the old summer break, or as the people out east say, summer holiday. But man, I mean, just some heartbreaking news, Ian. Hope you're all recovering all right. I'm I'm barely making alive, but uh, how how are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, definitely time to break out the black uh, for the funeral. Um, all right, let's more not get of a cele- here, but... celebration of okay, more of a celebration <laughs> of uh, of Seb's Formula One career. I've been down a deep rabbit hole of Sebastian Vettel highlights. It's definitely going to be missed, but yeah, man, definitely a somber day, and and he will be missed. Talked about him a couple weeks ago. Just saying, you know, we, we definitely see him staying for a couple more years. How long are we thinking? And of course, uh, that's a, a zero for one prediction from us, thinking that he's going to stay another two, three, four years. Uh, that was way off. Um, but yeah, like you said, you know, we have a, an awesome ode to him. Um, but uh, other items that we're going to talk about on this episode of the podcast, we have our recent headlines. We have our Hungry Grand Preview and then followed by our race predictions. So starting off with our recent headlines, Ian. Fill the people in. Yep, sure. So outside of Seb retiring, which is kind of the only news that uh, I would say matters today, since it actually happened today, um, more long-term news is Porsche buying 50% of Red Bull Racing F1 team. So um, there's a lot of stipulations to this. Uh, Porsche is going to be the Red Bull supplier of an engine for a 10-year commitment. Um, pretty wild that like I know we've been talking about it for a long time, but I think you know those rumors will come and go. But to see that the the contract is inked, that's that's nice. Like a big change is coming for Red Bull. Um, not a lot of changes coming for Alpha Tauri though, unfortunately. So I think Alpha Tauri is still sticking with the uh, with the Honda engine. And I, I mean, obviously they're already the little brother now, but I can't even imagine like they might as well probably not be racing if they're just going to stick with the. Uh, with a subpar Honda engine, but um, big news there. I did see that Honda rejected the idea of uh, just being AlphaTauri's engine supplier for the next couple of years. I don't know if that was official or not, but I, I saw something where it's like they want Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Uh, like they're not really too interested in, in just sticking with AlphaTauri at like a not competitive team, but could be wrong on that. Uh, that is something to definitely look out for because I wonder if, if they're not, if they're saying like, hey, Porsche, you got to help us out here. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I wonder if Porsche has, like, a little brother brand of engine that they can be like, oh, well, you guys can get this, uh, you know, second class, basically. We'll, we'll get yeah, right, right. Yeah, you'll get you the top of line Porsche. Yeah. Exactly. I was shocked because we, we always kept talking about Porsche coming into Formula One sooner rather than later. Red Bull was probably one of the last teams that I expected them to, to be joining with. I thought it was, like, an Aston Martin kind of thing. Um, I thought, like, Alfa Romeo or something like that, but... Yeah, yeah, for like a top dog to really kind of make the switch. I'm curious if it's going to stay 
Red Bull? Is it going to stay like Red Bull Porsche? I, I wonder how that, how that like, how they're going to display the, the name and the, the um, agreement. Wait, so would they be PBR? Oh, PRB, Porsche Red Bull. Damn, Damn, we're so close. So close. Dude, imagine if it was Porsche Bull Red. That would be awesome. Dude, just the, PBR the amount of, yeah, the exactly. PBR cans, like, oh my God. The amount of uh, <laughs> memorabilia that you could sell on that. Move merch, baby. That's what it's all ah. about. <laughs> well, let's move from Red Bull onto their main competitors this year, Ferrari. So Ferrari, if we remember back this past weekend at the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard, they did not look very good. Charles Leclerc crashed out, looked like the strategy and the pit wall for Ferrari was just all over the place and really not performing well whatsoever. Well, they came back. They have a little bit of a clap back at how they're being portrayed by saying um, the incorrect timing of the messages on the broadcast that Ferrari gave to Carlos made it look like they're like it was just nonsensical. So um, basically, like, you know, they said something to Carlos. He probably wasn't in the thick of trying to pass Sergio uh, or trying to pass George Russell at that time. But, you know, they the time that they played it, it was like it just looked extra bad. But, you know, I get that. And, like, it's probably true to some extent. They would have much more of a leg to stand on if they had made some, like, some shimmer light of good decisions in the past with strategy. But yeah, I mean, I think this was just like, it, it was very believable because of their strategy calls in the past and just their overall like functioning as Ferrari. So, but Marco, I don't want you to have any fear for the rest of the season. Cause it's all under control. According to Ferrari, they said, uh, they believe that there is quote, no reason why they cannot within the last 10 races of the season, pull back and win every single race. So congrats on winning all 10 of the last races, man. That's really awesome. I'm proud of you. Yeah, that, like we said, like they're barely kind of skimming points off the top if they're they're winning. But if they're getting, you know, maybe a one-two the next 10, my Lord, we're back in, we're back in action, boys. <laughs> that's tough to deny. That's like, that's quality. So that's awesome that you guys already pulled that off and you're already talking about it. So it's all fun up at the top there with Red Bull and Ferrari in the in the headlines but let's focus on the real top the top top the tippy top if you will and talk about Haas for a second uh, Marco stop me if you've heard this before but Haas are coming to Hungary with some upgrades and they call their car the white Ferrari uh, K mag is gonna be the only one that has the upgrades but K mag is finally driving in a Ferrari this weekend so congrats to him that's amazing I'm very curious if Haas is the only group of people saying that. <laughs> <laughs> they come into the track like check out for the new white ferrari They're like that looks nothing like it <laughs> all right moving right along so we have the fia finally coming to admit that there was a hardware problem on last week's race during the safety car incident involving perez and george russell obviously it kind of takes us the sales out of mercedes where like there is a potential kind of finger to point back at but in in reality like they said i don't think the fia ever admitted like perez got one wrong message and um and george got another wrong message like they were both getting the the wrong message and they it's just george did better with the wrong information so yeah like like it is a bummer where it's not like a clean pass like that where perez does have an excuse like oh it's messed up but i mean on the other side george was like well so was mine and i still wiped your ass so I, I did I still don't understand what happened <laughs> to be completely honest like there was just like a hardware issue I was like okay got it but uh but yeah I mean I'm just I think I'm just gonna plead ignorance here and be like nope they're just lying George Russell Alfred Sergio Perez and I'm yeah. gonna leave it at that <laughs> yeah little brother 
Little exactly. oh, bro. Yeah, kind of. Lo- yeah. All right. Uh, moving right along, we have so just talking about moving forward with Brimbers on the F1 2023 calendar. Um, one is Seb won't be on it. Uh, another one is going to be France. Apparently, is out. These are all um, like kind of rumors, not official, but yeah, France is no longer going to be on the 2023 calendar. South Africa might not make it to 2023 due to completion of the track. Uh, the season itself will actually start a little bit earlier for more gaps between races throughout the year. So like not back to back to backs as often. And then China is also in doubt due to the government, of course, and COVID, of course. So uh, just some potential rumor mill updates of what we expect to see in the 2023 season. Moving back to Sergio Perez. Um, so there is a new electric powerboat series that uh, Red Bull is taking note in and, and uh, joining Sergio Perez, I think, is going to actually potentially own a team in that new Powerboat series. That would be cool to actually have him kind of do a, an owner test run on these. I don't know if you've seen uh, the renditions of these cars. They look straight out of Star Wars. It is absurd what do these they? things look like. Oh, my dude. It is the most absurd thing I've ever seen. And I'm completely for it. I know there was that like um, those competitive sail sailing um that looks pretty intense and i've seen some like massive crashes out of that this actually seems i mean we might have a, a we might have a i guess we're gonna are we moving on three uh, podcasts because you have your mclaren one that you, you're gonna do personally yep. and then we might have a new electric powerboat series because uh podcast because yeah the, these things look absurd I uh, going to be completely honest. I told you before when we were getting ready for this, I thought this was a joke. I thought I was like, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm not falling for this one. Like I'm smarter than that. But yeah, what is like a, electric powerboat series? I don't understand. Do they do laps? Like, is, is there any race craft or is it just like whoever can go faster, like a drag race? Uh, I mean, these are all questions that I don't know the answer to. <laughs> Imagine like a very complicated, like, like Jetta or something where there's like 18 turns that you have to go around. Like, oh my gosh. That's, like the track that's something I'd watch. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It goes in like a port where it's like the Amsterdam port where it's like, if you hit a, a wave and you go three feet, you're smashing the car. Or you're smashing the boat. <laughs> I love it, dude. I mean, yeah, yeah I, I can't... Uh, I can't pretend to act like I knew that this existed, but um, I'm excited. You know, I would I would watch some highlights. I mean, you know, there've got to be some highlights on YouTube. Check out. Um, sidebar: Would you watch Electric Powerboat series or W W series? Uh, both, obviously. Obviously, good. Hey, that was a trick question. Nailed it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, we are on to our last form of information of recent headlines. Something to kind of, uh, I guess. Uh, we started off with some negative, some some downers on Seb. Let's try to, as Americans, try to uh, end it with some positivity. So, you know, we've been talking a lot about Colton Herta, about being the American to break into F1, you know, him not having maybe the the resume right now to, to make the jump. But Logan Sargent seems to be a big contender to take potentially Latifi's seat at Williams. So he is an American in F2, obviously, you know, there's a ton of rumor mills going along. There's Oscar Piastri is expected to take the reins. Other suitable names uh, thrown in the mix like uh, Nick DeVries. But Sargent has been actually on fire recently. I think the last three races, he's won two of them. He got pole in France um, and is now in P3 of the F2 series. And so I believe for him to get his super license, he needs to finish uh, top five. So currently in that mix to get it. Uh, they were talking about uh, to the 
Williams principal and CEO. And he was just like, yeah, you know, if he does continue this pace, it's just going to provide us a massive headache of kind of another hat thrown the name. Uh, but, you know, obviously a, head, a good headache to have. So even Williams is kind of saying like, hey, we we are considering this kid. Doesn't matter who the, the American is, just whatever we can to get an American into a Formula One seat, I'm all for. So hopefully uh, he continues his hot streak and uh, yeah, you know, finally makes ways. And, and uh, I, I believe that Williams had mentioned that he might take the uh, one other FP1 he might take one of their FP1 slots in the coming races. So, uh, yeah, just be on the lookout for that. That's be, That would be awesome, man. I feel like we've all of my eggs have been in the Colton Herta basket for so long, and since that started to look like it wasn't going to happen, it's nice to be like, okay, well, at least there's hope here that we're going to see uh, see the old red, white, and blue behind the wheel of an F1 car. Yeah, it definitely came to a surprise to me about, like, you know, I've heard the name, um, didn't know too much about it, or, like, the actual possibility of him. It's always been, yeah, like you said, in my mind, it's been like Herda or, or bust uh, for the Americans. But yeah, I mean, great to see some, you know, multiple Americans um, really, yeah, shown their true colors out there. So um, awesome to see here. That does it for our recent headlines. Moving right along. Like we mentioned at the beginning, we have a little ode to Seb uh, come along due to his recent retirement announcement that Ian's going to eloquently eloquently uh, go over with us. So I'm very excited to hear about um, Seb from beginning to end here. Yeah. the so Seb is one of the guys where it's like, even without social media, I feel like uh, people know about him. Like they know he's a good guy. He's the guy that bikes into the track instead of drives to offset carbon emissions. You know, he's the guy that protects the bees and talks about climate change and um, you know, same sex marriage rights, all that kind of stuff. But just like what, uh, you know, I was just doing a, little bit of a deep dive just to see like okay what do i not know about this guy and so here's i wouldn't say like a full-on spotlight like we've done in the past but just a little uh, little tidbits about seb and and his uh mostly his f1 career so talk about old seb uh born in heppenheim west germany started racing in cologne when he was three um cologne is right next to the Nürburgring, ring and yeah just after seeing some just like kind of the typical story of Formula One drivers nowadays that you hear is like you got some early success in karting, uh, moved on to some feeder series in and Formula, uh, or sorry, BM, the Formula BMW um, was where he got his start in open wheeled cars. So um, when he started doing that, finally got a chance to test for the BMW Sauber F1 team. Um, from there, BMW Sauber, you know, he actually got his shot at, as the test driver for the 2006 Hungarian Grand Prix. So we're racing in Hungary. Let's see, what was that, 16 years ago? Um, was when he first, like, got, you know, kind of, like, elbowed his way in. This was because Jacques Villeneuve was out uh, for, for Sauber. Robert Kubica stepped in as the second driver. And so Steb stepped up, Seb stepped up as the uh, test driver. He got to race on Friday and practice in Hungary. Um, set the fastest time, the first time that he was behind uh, an F1 car in the first session. And then um, in Italy, a couple weeks later, he set the fastest time for both sessions on Friday. Um, so it was just like, yeah, this this kid is special. Like, he's, he's good. Um, obviously, it was just practice. It didn't really amount to any points or anything for BMW Sauber. But they were like, all right, this, this guy is going to be at least a part of the F1 story for a couple years to come at least. So finally... Um, 2007, he starts with BMW as the official test driver, like not just like the substitute test driver. Robert Kubica had that massive crash that opened the door for him to race. 
uh, in a Grand Prix for the first time on Sunday. And in his first race, he was the youngest driver to ever score a point in F1. So um, it's kind of like very predictable, like, okay, this guy's been showing so much class in karting. Once he gets behind the wheel of a real car, uh, real F1 car, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be obvious what happens. And it was. And from there, from BMW, Sauber made the move to Toro Rosso since he was a Red Bull contracted driver. Um, and at Toro Rosso earned the accolade of the youngest F1 pole sitter. And also got his first race win at the Italian Grand Prix. So um, just a, you know, a, a star everywhere he went. But no other place uh, was he a bigger star than when he went to Red Bull. So from 2009 to 2014, he won the championship in 2010, 2011, 12, and 13. Um, just like really cemented his legacy. Like this is the Seb that we know, all of the radio calls that we've heard before, like unbelievable. Thank you so much. Like that's all those, um, you know, that was, that was, those were his peak years at Red Bull. Uh, went on to Ferrari, battled alongside Charles Leclerc um, after Kimi Räikkönen got the boot. It's kind of seen as a failure, mostly just because they couldn't beat Lewis Hamilton, who was in the very superior Mercedes uh, turbo hybrid engine that still hasn't really been replicated still um, in terms of like gap to second place. And then from Ferrari, went over to Aston Martin. Um, no need to talk about this at Aston Martin. So let's just keep focusing on the good here. <laughs> let's talk about his, <laughs> his Red Bull time. But, uh, but yeah, man, it was it was cool. Like this, it, it really did hit that black and white video of him announcing his retirement was, was pretty special. And you could tell Sportman a lot to him, but it's not, uh, it's not his whole identity, right? He's, he's, he's got a lot more to prove whether that's, um, you know, just like helping out with like, I don't know, gay advocacy groups, um, saving the environment, any, any like popular issue that you see on social media said probably has a foundation or some kind of effort to help with it. So I think that's what he's going to put his focus on along with his wife and kids. And yeah, man, just wish him the best. Like that was, you know, he's, he's given us so much that, uh, to, to talk about. And like now it just kind of comes to the end. It's going to be bittersweet watching him race, uh, for the last, you know, 10, 11 times here as, as we finish out his career. It's crazy. So two of my favorite drivers or like top of my favorite drivers go out and retire in the last two years with Kimmy and now Seb, but man, could they not have been more different people? Like yeah. Kimmy just, uh, you know, no funny business, does not want to speak to anyone. Seb is going to take everything he can out of getting in the limelight and to make some positive change. Both have their, uh, their interesting parts about them, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I really hope that he continues to stay in formula one. Like, maybe he kind of st still sees like, hey, there still needs to be an advocate for some of these issues that need to be addressed. Um, you know, I feel myself as still could be in like a, a great role to be able to kind of an advocate for that and, and um, you know, bring change to Formula One and the sport in general. So yeah, I'm very curious to what he thinks he's uh, gonna be doing for these next couple of years, but hopefully uh, we still see his face uh, around the paddock. For sure, man. He's uh, he will be missed when he's gone, but he's not gone yet. So we'll enjoy the last couple uh, couple races we have with him. But uh, all right, enough about Seb. Let's move on to the present Grand Prix view of the Hungarian Grand Prix. All right, so just like last year, we are in Budapest for the last week of July for the 37th consecutive Hungarian Grand Prix at the Hungaro Ring. We have had some great races here. Um, last year is no different. Like, we had a wet start at the beginning. You remember when Bottas took out Norris, who took out Sergio, and Bottas took out Verstappen? It was just like a cluster uh, at the first corner of the race. 
It cleared the way for Esteban to lead the Grand Prix. That was in Hungary. So, um, yeah, that standing start picture right after that incident where uh, Lewis Hamilton was the only one on the grid and everyone else was starting from the pit lane. Um, like, iconic picture. That was also Hungary. This is where Ocon got his maiden win. Um, Sebastian Vettel, speaking of the devil, finished P2 uh, before getting disqualified for not having enough fuel in the tank to test. Um, and then so he ended up not getting any points when he should have gotten 18. Just like a bloodbath that caused six cars to retire from the race. We can really only hope that we get that kind of action this year. Like, we'll be, we'll be lucky if we get a sliver of that. But this is a, a Grand Prix to look forward to very much so. Yeah, very cool, Ian. Now let's talk about the Hungaro <laughs> Ring track. Uh, so the, there are 14 turns around this 4.4-kilometer circuit. So obviously it doesn't sound too too long, we go around it 70 times. So yeah, short track, lots of laps. One of the shorter ones on the track this calendar year. There is only one DRS detection zone where we're gonna see probably most of the overtaking take place. Uh, even so, the straight is pretty short. So the DRS zone actually goes around a sharp corner as well, which is you know something that we're not typically used to seeing. So you know a little bit of an interesting uh, wrinkle into this race as well. What happens when there's a lack of straights, both high speed and low speed corners, there's gonna be a lot of downforce. So that means that Red Bull's straight line speed that we're used to seeing won't typically be as effective here. So, I mean, if we're gonna guess on a track that we're not gonna see like the typical podium that we're used to, uh, this might be the track that, uh, you know, has that ability, not only with that, but, uh, you know, add a little bit of other craziness to it. I think it's gonna be a wet race in Hungary. So. It looks like it's going to get progressively cooler throughout the weekend. Practice on Friday will be clear in a very warm 94 degrees. Qualifying on Saturday, we could see some lightning and thunder. Shout out to Imagine Dragons. And then finally, it looks like there'll be a wet race on Sunday. So yeah, obviously, you know, Red Bull uh, is not in Red Bull's, you know, sweet spot of a track that they're going to super excel in. But um, not only with that, but with some wet chaos. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a very interesting, fun race this weekend. I think so, too. There's no reason it shouldn't be. We obviously have, I don't want to, we should still go into this race with low expectations just because we can't have what happened last year happen, like somebody winning their first Grand Prix. But yeah, man, I don't see why this shouldn't be a, a good one. And I don't see why all of my predictions won't come exactly true. So speaking of that, let's get to our race predictions. As it stands right now, Marco is currently leading me by one point. He has 18 points. I have 17 correct predictions. Um, but yeah, I think that's going to change. Let's get right into it with race predictions. Who do we think will crash or DNF? I, um, I had to think about this one because my last two, I believe, have hit. And so I didn't want to you know, just give that up. But I, I think I'm going to go out of the box for this one and say that Max Verstappen doesn't finish this race. Oh, all right. Let's, yeah, this is some chaos. I'm going to... I actually kind of lead with you uh, with some drivers we're typically used to seeing at the top of the grid. I'm going to go with Carlos Sainz. Okay. I like that one. I mean, his engine um, does blow, blow up like once every exactly. three Exactly. I mean, sounds it, good. It, it does seem like Ferrari uh, has a knack for that. So, you know, you know <laughs> sprinkle a little chaos with that. My winner is going to be Carlos Sainz. Oh, okay. So, so he's going <laughs> to... I'm hedging, baby. I'm hedging. <laughs> I'm tired of doubling down and it not working out. So I'm going to hedge yeah. heavily. I guess theoretically, if he crashed into the wall 
right on the last straight and then finish, then he still does crash and win. So you could there's there's a there's a path there for you. Well, there there was that race uh, a couple of weeks ago where you had George crash with DNF and they were saying like, hey, potentially because it went into a red flag, if we can get the car back, like can this and a lot of people were thinking that he could. <laughs> and I was like, how does this affect? Like, does this count as a crash or DNF? Because he did crash. So that's yeah, maybe true, I can try yeah. to pull that one out. I guess yeah, we should specify, but that's a, that's a um, that's a future Eaton Asphalt problem. So of course, um, nice Carlos to crash DNF and win. For Marco, I'm gonna say uh, Lewis is gonna be my first time winner again. He hasn't. We're going against the chalk here. We uh, he has not won a race this season, but I got a good feeling. Some wet chaos um, in Hungary could lead to some uh, some doors open for old Lewis, who's good at driving in the wet. On the flip side of that, my last place driver um, didn't have to think too much on this one. Give me Nicholas Latifi. Smart. I feel like he has been uh, quiet. Like we're we're not seeing him dead last. We're not seeing him crash. He's just kind of like in that. That sweet spot of 17 to 19. Yeah, exactly. He loves it there. It's right where he wants to be. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to go with Lana Stroll. I feel like him hearing the news of Seb leaving is going to, you know, all the intention is going to be on him. He's going to get a little little angry. Just poor performance. My driver today is going to be Lando Norris. You're welcome. Well, thank you. Well, Dang, should I change mine now? Mine was going to be, uh, a f- I mean, it's going to be someone, but I feel like I should make it a Ferrari driver. I'll stick to my guns. Uh, give me Sebastian Vettel. Oh, I like, oh, God damn it, you fucker. <laughs> <sighs> Didn't even think about that. Dang they it. Said, they, they said for sure in Abu Dhabi he was going to get the vote, but I don't know, I understand why. All he has to do is make one overtake, I think, this race, and he'll get the vote. Dude, I can see him, them just rigging it for the rest of the season. <laughs> yeah, just every time. Sounds good. And our douche of the day, um, I, I, I kind of had to think about this one. Um, I'm going to go with Max again. So I think he's going to crash and uh, give me also crash and ruin someone's race. So give me douche Oof. of the day, Max Verstappen. Wow. Wow. That is uh, – I'm going to wait till the end. Um, I'm going to go with <laughs> Nicholas Satifi. Um, I know you're thinking he's last place. I'm thinking maybe he becomes a douche while becoming in last place. So, okay. Nick Latifi, see that. old Nick. Um, Wildcard prediction. Curious to hear your thoughts on this. I'm going to say Perez with a worse than P5 finish. Perez worse than P5 finish. All right. So my initial instinct is I'm is I think I'm okay with that. Does is there a stipulation? So obviously, if he DNFs, then that's worse than P5. Is I, what you're I will say non DNF, like he as a finished race. There it is. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm, I mean, I'm definitely down for that. I feel like he's always either two or three, sometimes four. So, yeah. Yeah. P5 or the worst, but he finishes the race. Okay. Yep. Confirmed. I am okay with that. My wildcard prediction, it's going to be a rainy one in Hungary. There's going to be chaos. We saw chaos last time. Um, I'm going to bleed my red, white, and blue and say that Haas ends up on the podium for the first time in far too long. Fuck with yeah, that. baby. I mean, I don't know if you heard, dude, but uh, Haas has a white Ferrari, and Ferraris yeah, end up on the podium. So Haas on the podium. Well, well, either on the podium or, um, you know, DNF'd. <laughs> yeah, whichever. One of the two. It's pretty much a flip of a coin for that team. <laughs> uh, all right, and then fastest lap. I don't really know. I just picked someone who is good in the wet here. Um, and so my fastest lap is going to be Mick Schumacher. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right, I'm going to go with uh, Carlos Sainz. Oh, boo. I'm going to finish off with Carlos Sainz at pole. Okay, boo. Give me Lewis. Dude, I have pole four position. Carlos Sainz. <laughs> okay, so he's going to crash, win, get fastest lap, and get pole position. Yeah, dude, it'll be the most wild weekend for one driver in Formula One history. <laughs> Put him in for last place, too. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it. Can he do it all? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, enough of us yapping. Uh, let's send everybody into the Hungarian Grand Prix weekend. I would like to say, though, um, as a nice co-host, your race predictions seem like an awesome time, and I really hope that actually you do well this weekend because that would be a lot of chaos. <laughs> I feel like if I do well on the race predictions, that means that everybody had a good weekend. So, yeah, I'm down. Oh, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm down <laughs> to like to give up a couple points here for you know at the halfway point of the season to, to see those pan out. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be a hard swing the other way, but I will still maintain hope. A boy can dream. (laughs) A boy can dream. All right. We appreciate everybody for listening. See you, assholes. See you, assholes.